Welcome to The Paradigm Concept, hosted by myself, Dr. David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. The Paradigm Concept will feature leaders and innovators in the healthcare industry, in particular dentistry, to help you find new, efficient, and innovative ways to build a world-class practice and deliver better patient care. At Paradigm Oral Health, we're all about shaping the future of our specialty, with a focus on putting the needs of the patient first. Learn more and subscribe today at ParadigmOralHealth.com. I'm joined today by Dr. Rachel Strait, who's an oral and maxillofacial surgeon at Southern Oral and Facial Surgery in Nashville, Tennessee, and a partner of mine in Paradigm. I've had the great pleasure to work with Rachel as she's finished her training a year ago and started her career as a surgeon in our organization. Rachel, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, David. What I'd like to do is ask some questions about first, what led you to oral surgery and eventually to Southern Oral and Facial Surgery and Paradigm and what it's been like starting as a new surgeon, what's contributed to all of your success, what your experience has been like with Paradigm, and finally, what advice you would have for a surgery resident who's thinking about a future career and life after residency. Definitely. So first you asked what led me to oral surgery. So you don't have to remember all those. I can kind of tick through here. I would say first, if you wouldn't mind just to give everyone a sense of your background, can you describe what your childhood was like? Absolutely. So I grew up on the Florida Gulf Coast. I'm from Pensacola, Florida, so fairly small, beachy town. I have two brothers. So I'm the middle and the only girl. My dad's a research biologist for the EPA, and my mom is an anatomy physiology teacher. And um, so we have a lot of science in the family, but we also do a lot of physical stuff. So my dad restores old muscle cars for fun. We do a lot of house projects. Um, so I grew up doing a lot of that stuff in addition to a lot of sciencey stuff. So that set me up to want to do something in science, but also I think of myself as a people person. So trying to find something that allowed me to care for others and be around other people most of my days. In the heart of that childhood, did you get a sense of what you wanted to do when you grew up? Not really. I thought I wanted to be a biomedical engineer because I thought it would be cool to build things, but also to work with people. I sort of envisioned myself helping fit people for prosthetics and just designing things that helped people with whatever their daily jobs were. I didn't really have dentistry on my radar. I didn't really have surgery or medicine or any of that on my radar. Really no healthcare in my family. And so I went to school for biomedical engineering. That's what I thought I was going to do. And then took a biomaterials class where we learned about the proplast, the TMJ Teflon implants. And I just thought it was really cool. And so at the same time, I was sort of realizing that biomedical engineering was a lot of computer programming and a lot less patient facing. And so that sort of turned me to think, what's a way that I could combine all of these things that I love, working with my hands, science, patient care, the engineering mindset. And then what about dentistry? I always liked going to the dentist. I enjoyed my orthodontist. Maybe I'll go shadow some people that sort of just spiraled out of control. And one thing led to another. And I just figured it out along the way. But I mean, it was really mid-college that I even thought about oral surgery as a career and how I ended up here in the first place. That engineering background kind of explains a lot. I remember when you were preparing for boards, I remember you being asked about custom joints and I was like amazed at how you could go through the materials. That kind of explains a lot. I found a paper that I wrote in college that actually talked about the history of 
TMJ prosthesis, which I thought was hilarious. Of course, I showed it to Dr. Vega, who I did many prostheses with, but I thought it was hilarious. This college student that knows nothing about oral surgery wrote this 30-page paper about the history of the prosthesis. Anyway, sort of funny. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I was a biomedical engineer for a very short while as well until I failed at coding and things like that. But that's a, definitely a great background for what you do now. So you ended up going to a pretty spectacular medical school and, and residency program in Vanderbilt. What was your experience like there? I loved it. So I did biomedical engineering at Vanderbilt. It was a comfort level thing for me, but also I knew the training program because I actually had shadowed there. I knew Dr. McKenna. I knew the residents. I actually met Sean and Brad that way. And so I sort of knew that I was going to go away to dental school and then come back to Vandy. That was my hope was to come back and train there. Just top notch. You're around people that are like-minded. So a really collaborative environment, um, just really patient focused. And so I loved it. I absolutely loved medical school at Vanderbilt. They just really make sure that you know what you need to know and teach you, I think, how to be a doctor. I would recommend it to anybody. That's awesome. So I didn't realize you went to Vandy for undergrad. So that was really kind of full circle. Absolutely. I went away to UAB for dental school and then came back up to Nashville. Oh, okay, cool. Obviously, you trained a lot of accomplished surgeons and surgeons like Dr. Vega, who ironically is now joining us at Paradigm, just so I can give Luis a hard time later on. What was it like working with him and how did your attendings kind of shape the way you practice today? He's great to work with. He's a lot of fun in the OR. I think that he loves a challenge and he has taught me how to think about patients and how to think about cases beyond just the technical aspects of everything. So I think that that's what I really gained the most from him was how do you look at a problem and think of the simplest but most elegant way to solve that problem? And then you have to think three steps forward. So what happens if A, B, and C? He's like the little voice in my head when I'm doing surgeries day in and day out. What would LGV do? <laughs> But then, you know, also working with Dr. Lynn, Dr. McKenna, and Dr. Sharma, those were my other attendings through residency. And they all sort of brought a different flavor to the table, different levels of autonomy for me. So sometimes I could try to be the big surgeon and try to figure it out myself versus bounce ideas off of others. And just, I think, a really great group to learn from. Nice. Well, what was it like, you know, as you finished residency and started thinking about where you might go, what was your decision process like in joining the doctors in Nashville? I initially thought that I would stay in an academic environment. I thought that that was where I, I was called to and that I would teach and be a part of a residency program at Vanderbilt. And then in my last year, I just thought, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I think that maybe there's more out there than being in the hospital all the time. So I started talking to Sean and I had met Dan through one of the charity clinics in the area. He volunteers there and that's actually where my husband works too. But I just got talking to them and they just seemed happy and fulfilled and they're pillars of the community and the dental community just looks to them for advice and guidance. And then I shadowed them and I just fell in love with the way that they are and who they are as people and the way they treat their teams and just the entire office. And it just seemed like a place that felt like home to me, but also a place where if I wanted to be the best, I think they could help me learn how to be the best. Everything just sort of fell into place. And it was an easy decision for me in the end. I remember when I was finishing residency, it was the kind of the same position where I was thinking about academics and kind of going back and forth and seemed like a really hard decision at the time. 
How has that transition been from going to thinking about academics to going into a private practice scenario, kind of what you thought it would be or different or what are your thoughts on that? It's interesting because I'll occasionally see a patient come in to the private practice world that would be like a bread and butter kind of thing in the hospital. You know, a kid that's displaced a tooth, a little alveolar fracture. I had a depressed zygomatic arch fracture, like these things that are just very normal to see in the hospital. They come into private practice and my assistants are like, oh my gosh, what is this? What is going on? And I feel like, oh, I've got a handle on this. I can take care of this. I'm going to teach you what we need to do. We're going to get this done. We don't need to go to the hospital. We can fix this here. And so that's been really cool to kind of look back on the training that I have. I can do this and I can be a leader of my team and take care of these things. But I think it's different. It's different than I had expected. I think I rely a lot on Dan and Sean and Brad to kind of guide me and they've trained me up. I feel like I try to emulate what I've seen them do. And so they sort of trust me to just run with it and then kind of developed my own flair, I think, as I move through my own practice. Any kind of pleasant surprises outside of the walls of academics or unanticipated challenges? Pleasant surprises, certainly the camaraderie. I feel just within the practice, but then also within paradigm, I feel like there's the same collaborative environment that I wanted out of academics. I still have that. And so I'm so happy that I feel like there's this community of surgeons that are all like-minded. Everyone wants to be the best and do the best for their patients. And I just get to be a part of that. That's been a huge surprise and a pleasant surprise for me. But then, I don't know, I forgot your other question. Oh, I just said if there were any challenges, but it doesn't appear like you've had a whole lot of challenges with the way you've performed. So I think that's really interesting what you're talking about, kind of like a community of practice and other surgeons to bounce ideas off of. And when we started Paradigm, it was kind of our hope that that would develop that way. But it it definitely seems like it's great in my situation to have partners to talk with on a day-to-day basis, but then to have kind of a broader network and whether it's through our chats or other events or seminars or Zoom conferences. To me, it's been great to be able to send out a message on a challenging case and get feedback that would have probably taken me weeks if I had to go make phone calls or track people down. Have you noticed that as well? A hundred percent. At least the four of us in the practice are always sending texts back and forth with pictures. What do you think about this? Have you ever seen this? So absolutely. It's huge to have that resource. You just never know what other people have seen in their training or in their practice. And I think two heads are always better than one. So absolutely. No one has a big ego. You know, it's just about taking good care of patients. When you joined Dan and Sean and Brad and kind of that process, obviously had a close relationship with them. And I think Paradigm's kind of role in centrally or in the organization is kind of be in the background and help facilitate partnerships and create a broader network of surgeons and business resources to sort of help surgeons onboard smoothly and develop professionally and kind of have a larger community to practice within. How was your experience working with Paradigm from the onset to talking with everyone to today? It's been great. I had the opportunity to visit in Nebraska during the onboarding process and got to shadow and just see sort of the home base and everything. It's been great. Everyone's been really awesome and easy to get along with and really clear in what they need from me and what to expect. I had some nice chats with Brett on the phone as I was transitioning from residency into practice. And so we developed a relationship just talking on the phone every week or two just to check in and see how things were going. And he made the transition easy, but everyone else did too. There wasn't any time where I felt like 
I was alone or on an island or I didn't have somebody to ask, what do I do next? Or what paperwork do you need? Or where should I be? It's been a really, I think, a really easy transition for me. Good. Yeah. At this point in my practice, I feel like there's so many things I hardly even know how to do anymore in terms of credentialing or figuring something out that I need to do from a regulatory perspective or maintaining licenses and things like that. So that's been really helpful for me too. Seems like you really sort of hit the ground running in the practice. You're super busy and seem to have tons of confidence. And I know your partners just couldn't say better things about you. What do you think has contributed to that? Were you so well-prepared and what advice for others would you have that maybe getting ready to start their careers? I think one of the things that I did a lot in the very beginning and still do is if I'm not with a patient or if I have a slower day, if I'm just around, I still shadow them and I spend as much time as I can watching them do what they do, sometimes even just talking to patients. I think that in the beginning, that was really crucial for me, just getting to see how they are and how they interact with their teams, but also with their patients. I came in knowing I had a lot to learn and that they could teach me and that I just had to be willing to learn. I remember one day Dr. Clark even came in and shadowed me and that was awesome. He didn't have anything going on that day at home and he came in and just watched me work and then helped me tweak this, do this a little different or like you might consider this. And that was really fabulous. So I think just being open to learning and then using the resources that I had who are these three great guys and they've developed three great teams. So a lot of time doing that. And then I still do a lot of reading. I still look at stuff on my own and try to figure out whether a good outcome or a bad outcome, what is it that led to that and what should I do differently? And I keep logs of everything that I do to try to keep up with, again, what went well, what didn't go well, what can I do better next time? So I think a lot of self-reflection and then also reflection with them too. I'll send a picture of something and say, hey, I don't think this was great. What could I have done better? And they're always willing to tell me their experience because it's probably something they've seen before. I love hearing that story. You've probably heard me say it lots of times, but we really want organizationally to be focused on education. And we've kind of gone to such extremes that we even did this machine learning study based on personality types and communication preferences and kind of the one trait that we found correlated with so many different positive things, whether it was net promoter scores, patient satisfaction, productivity of surgeons. The trait was those that felt like they were good educators or enjoyed teaching and training. And it sounds like you kind of exemplify that. And I think most things that have been successful in my life have somehow, some way kind of associated with teaching or learning or training. So that seems to be a commonality I've observed in people that have really excelled and been confident and know what they're doing and know how to continue to improve. And like you're talking about continuing to shadow other doctors and vice versa. And pretty amazing that Dan, with all his experience, would come and shadow you. But I think that's a tremendous trait. Anything different you would have done over the past year or sort of, you know, as you finished your training or in preparation for practice? I don't think so. I mean, I think that I was trained broadly. I learned how to work hard and solve problems on my own. And I think that I was pretty perfectly poised to step into this awesome practice and into Paradigm. And they had a schedule ready for me to go. And I just went, I tried to figure out what the expectations were. And then I'm a people pleaser. I like everyone to think I'm doing a good job. And I like to think I'm doing a good job. But I think, like I said, it was a pretty smooth transition. I don't think I would change anything. What's your day like now? My day now 
surgery from eight to one ish. I try to keep the 12 to one for a surgery spot and then consults, digital impressions, follow ups in the afternoon, some faults in the morning, but I see consult and treats. I'll see patients that are treatment planned. I'm trying to work on honing in on what could be next to each other. What can I stagger? What needs to be only by itself? Trying to squeeze the schedule a little bit and see where I can cut times and where I can be more efficient, but not compromise overall care. I mean, now moving into summer, so we're moving into wisdom tooth season. (laughs) will be a lot of wisdom teeth this summer. I'm doing good. I'm having fun. I think it's developing the practice that suits your wants and things, or you know, which is different for everybody. I think it's such a interesting, like multivariable puzzle, like you're saying, how you want to shift your schedule around or change blocks and how you want to develop your team and how you need to train them so that they can kind of work seamlessly. And then how you move throughout the office and how you learn how to work with software system better or how you communicate with referrals. And to me, it's, there's maybe some less challenging things to a private practice and maybe doing free flaps and things. But I think the complexity of managing all that you do is to me is a really fun thing. And starting out, I probably didn't realize all there was to working with a team and developing a team and building a team. What have your thoughts been about that? Yes, 100%. I think that through residency, you're trying to educate yourself, but then also educate patients. Now you have to be the expert in the room. You have to be able to tell your team how to do everything how to do their job. You have to know better than that. Sean and I talked about this the other day. The anesthesiologist only gets called in when it's a difficult airway. So you better be practiced up. And so I feel the same way. There's a difficult impression. There's somebody that they can't get the pulse ox to read anything in the office. You're the go-to person building up a team to have confidence in their own skills, but also know when to ask for help. I feel like I'm training them. They're training me. We're training the patients. Everyone's just constantly teaching and learning and finding the people that want to learn and want to constantly improve and want to do better. That's the challenge. How do you take someone that doesn't want to learn and make them learn versus how do you let this person that has the drive, how do you put the wind underneath their sails and let them soar? So that has been a really interesting challenge for me is training my assistants and having a team of my own to work with. It's a fun challenge though. I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think there's so much to surgery that it's like you can tie the perfect knot or make the perfect incision. And if logistical things break down, you might end up having like a terrible outcome irrespective of what great surgery you did. If you know if the post-op instructions weren't given right or the script wasn't called into the right location and the patient never filled their prescription or all these things you never really think about maybe when you're just focused on surgery and and not sort of operating a, a broader system. And it's interesting what you said about like in residency, you're focused kind of on yourself and your patient and the staff is sort of like this constant. They've been there for years before you and will be there years afterwards. And they're probably not super likely to listen to residents a whole lot. (laughs) That is, I think, really insightful. And your team is kind of like a part of your surgical instrumentarium in helping you deliver great surgery. So I think that's right on. The paradigm, I think, Almost all of our surgeons are far closer to the start of their careers than the end of their careers. And we've tried to look for people that are enjoy the idea of being leaders, leading a business, developing team, being responsible for hopefully a lot of the mundane things are taken off people's plates, but not removed from responsibility over those things. Your involvement from leading the clinical team, office staff, 
Has it been the right mix? Is there things you've enjoyed or about sort of developing or working within that structure? I think that here, the guys, I say the guys, Dan and Sean and Brad have given me the opportunity to, if there's something that I am interested in, then I can take it and I can run with it. For example, the emergency drills, that's something that I'm passionate about. And so before they did some sit down talks, they would do things on a regular basis, but I sort of came in and said, I want to do it this way. You're going to be a mock patient. You're going to be a mock parent. The front desk is going to do their part. Everyone's going to get involved. We're going to get all the stuff out of the cart. You're going to practice giving EpiPens. We're going to do all of it. And so they sort of let me just run with it. And the whole office listens and everyone participates. And I feel like I'm heard. And it's something, like I said, if I'm passionate about it and they're going to see that, then I think it's awesome that they've given me the opportunity to have something that's my own. And so I think if anything else comes up like that, they would do the same thing. I'm not surprised by that story that you're responsible for the emergency preparedness and things. I get the sense that you're one that doesn't cut corners and pays attention to the details. And I think that's like exactly what you want in a surgeon, the kind of person I would want to see. And speaking of preparedness, now that boards are taken in the first year, I imagine that's a little bit stressful in starting in a new practice and having to worry about the exam. I know you've done exceptionally well academically and did tremendous on the boards, but how did you prepare for that? How would you kind of advise others? I found out that I had passed the written boards just in the summer. So you don't find out until you finish residency. So basically at the same time as I was starting work with Paradigm with Southern, I also found out that I would be taking the oral board in January. I took mine February 1st. So I gave myself... I think all of July and all of August, and I just didn't think about any of it. I just focused on getting everything together in practice and learning how to do everything at Southern. I didn't even think about the boards. I just signed up and then I said, I'm going to deal with this once I get a handle on things. And then I started reading and I had a study buddy that's actually in the area here too, that I started in October. So I spent September making my schedule. I split it up. We met every week or every other week and just talked through cases. And then in January, we had the mock board in Texas with Paradigm, which was really, really awesome having people that have taken the boards and have knowledge of the boards. And so being able to sit through a full length mock exam was not only a confidence booster, but it also it was like, this is what it's going to actually be like. You're sitting there, it's two on one, you're moving through cases, they get you to the point of saying, I don't know, or you say stuff wrong. And then how do you recover from that? So I think that having a community, having people to study with, and then also being able to actually do the real thing in January before you really do the real thing in February was huge. So I would recommend to anyone, if you have the opportunity to do a full-length mock board and hear from people that have taken it at least recently, I think that's huge. And there's a lot of prep courses out there that if you read the stuff, you're going to get all the same information from a prep course that you could from past notes and from textbooks and all of that. But I don't think there's one out there that actually does a full-length mock board. So you learn a little bit of that stamina too. Nice, nice. Well, just a couple more questions. I know we talk about a lot at Paradigm that we want to differentiate ourselves through data, technology, and and education. And I think that's kind of resonated with the types of surgeons that have wanted to join us. What has been your experience 
from those perspectives? I'll say first, from a technology perspective, I love Loop. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And it would have been an asset in residency to have something like that, just to communicate with people out in the community, dentists that I can't necessarily pick up the phone and call. It's just, it's been an easy way to transfer data between offices. That's really nice. I like using that. And then the idea that everything is tracked. I like that we have this huge repository of data for everything, anything that you would want to know. Sean sort of taught me how to make my own spreadsheets of my own patients. And so I think that having my own personal repository of success and failure is helpful just for self-reflection and for critique and improvement. I think looking at some of the data that we're collecting will also help us further the field. I think that if you're looking at anesthesia outcomes and everything, there's you guys are collecting so much data that I think that we can go in whatever direction we want to. If you want to look at it, you can find meaning there. Potentially in the future, looking into research projects and I don't know, sort of taking a little bit more of an academic spin on things. But it's encouraging to me that we have all this data because we can do a lot with it. I think hopefully it's a way for us to kind of give back to our specialty and blend academics with private practice a bit. Data is kind of this impartial, unbiased language that for me is great to look at and be able to communicate with other doctors because we all have pretty strong views on things. But I think data is like this great equalizer. It's like, huh, I guess I wouldn't have imagined that, but I guess it does look like that's that's how you should do it. That's been great. And we should publish our anesthesia review here later this year, which is going to be 64,000 patients or something. In our opioid project, I think we'll hopefully have a million patients. We're starting to get some meaningful data. And if for whatever reason we find that we're not performing well on something, I think we'll be able to understand it and understand why and, and adapt quickly. But hopefully that isn't the case too often. Thanks so much for taking the time. And in closing, if you just had one or two pieces of advice for a resident who's about to start their chief year, how would you tell them to think about that year and beyond? In your chief year, I think that you should just spend as much time as you can doing surgery and pretending that it's your surgery and they're your patients. So really owning what you're doing and being self-critical. I think it's just so important for you to soak up everything you can from the surgeons that are overseeing you. And I hate to say it this way, but don't be lazy. This is your last chance for you to mess up in a safe space. And so I think just doing as much as you can, take advantage of this great opportunity to just learn and not have any other responsibilities. Your only job in residency is just to learn. And so soak up as much as you can, shadow as much as you can. That's what I did. I think it served me well. I think I'm doing pretty well now. So if I could do it all over again, I would just go and do more surgeries with people that have been doing it for decades. I think that's great advice. And thank you so much for visiting with me. This was our first paradigm podcast. I'm sure it showed in my performance, but I, I thought you did a spectacular job and I really appreciate learning from you and thank you for all you've done for the organization and the incredible example that you've set and for visiting with us today. And I look forward to watching your career continue to develop and thrive. So thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you for the support. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to The Paradigm Concept, brought to you by Paradigm Oral Health, an organization led and owned by surgeons passionate about shaping the future of our specialty and ensuring the needs of the patient come first. Learn more and subscribe to the show at ParadigmHealth.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on The Paradigm Concept. <music>